0: Hello and welcome to Artbox DV. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I met up with Helen Zuhab at her exhibit in the Hall of Nations at the Kennedy Center. Helen is a visual artist that paints with gouache and ink on illustration board and canvas. Her work is about creating empathy and dialogue to see through other people's eyes. We talk about her ongoing series, Syrian Migration, the role of color and patterns that play in her work, and the mediums she uses to help tell these stories. So, with that, Sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Cool. All right. Well, Helen, thank you for doing this. Welcome. It is nice to come to actually see the work yeah. as things are getting slowly back to normal.
1: Absolutely. I
0: was really struck by the very colorful and very clean execution of your work. hmm because we're looking at the exhibit, I, I would say that even without the the stories underneath them, mm-hmm. you do get a sense of a strong story. And we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. First and foremost, I want to know is, how did you get your start in visual art?
1: I think I always knew that I wanted to be an artist, but can I say something first to start? Go ahead. Can we thank the Kennedy Center for hosting my work here? Yes, we can <laughs> thank the we're Kennedy in the Center middle of Kennedy for hosting Center? Work. Yeah, we're literally here thank in the you. Hall of Nations. Yeah, yes. which is super, super cool. So how did I get my start? I think um, living overseas, you know, I grew up in the um, Arab world and moving around, being forced to leave uh, quite a few times. I think it, it stays with you somehow. And I think part of me, it's turned into a way of reconciling where I feel my home is in a way, actually now just thinking about it, which I never really articulated before. But a lot of my work focus on trying to find the middle ground between the East and the West. As an Arab American, I mean, even in this series, Syrian migration series, you see that I'm being inspired by Jacob Lawrence, you know, the great African American painter. And from his, his migration series, you know, his migration documented the horrors of Jim Crow and segregation oh, yeah. and drought. When the Syrian revolutions began. I couldn't help but see the parallels. Mm -hmm. Wasn't directly bombs, but it was another kind of war they were fleeing from. Exactly. And, And in this case, there were 13 million Syrians that were forcibly fleeing their homes in such a short amount of time. Whereas in Jacob Lawrence's time after World War I, it was about six million from the time of the war to about 1970, they estimate yeah, about yeah. six million. So it took a long time. So this was such a massive crush that really affected the world in, in a negative way. Not as far as I'm concerned, but as far as receiving. And yeah. then the pushback against the massive amounts in Europe, this country, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that has become part of who I am, trying to find this middle ground, trying to make this dialogue happen and try to. This sounds really trite and overused, but try and dispel stereotypes of especially after 9-11 of Western ideas about Arabs. And so it's crept in there for a long, long time. And I embrace it now, yeah.
0: And confronted and what better way to work it out is by using visual art. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I mean, if I were, I had my magic wand. <laughs> i do something different, but this is what I know how to do.
0: And, and it's very yes. executed very well, Thank mind you. you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, we kind of touched on it just a second ago here. With your current exhibit, what are some of the central themes and ideas that you are exploring? Like I said, we already talked about it a little bit, yeah. but you can go in more detail.
1: Of this particular migration series. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly, because of my background from the Arab world, my father is uh, born in Damascus, I was born in Beirut, but. What I've been hearing as I've been middle of the exhibition is people's ability quickly to draw the correlation between, say, Ukraine and this country yeah, and Afghanistan and this country, Iraq, on and on and on. And basically, it's just different countries, different people and the same madness. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. So I hope there's a universality in this work, which I've been hearing. I think there is. But my... Original point was not necessarily precisely that, but as the series grew and the stories I wanted to tell more, and as things started happening, I realized that it kind of took on a life of its own. And I think that's one of the main reasons that I'm here showing today sadly, because it doesn't seem like we learn very much. Yeah, except uh, for get better weapons, right? Yeah, better weapons to kill more people.
0: So, did you like uh try to find individual stories of people Im- migrating, or uh, how much? research, when involved, how long did it take to start coming up with the imagery for you to create this series?
1: Well, that's such a good question. And, you know, it is and it isn't personal. My own forced evacuation and leaving several times from two wars and two coups, is a very unpleasant traumatic event that never really leaves you no matter how grown up you get it sticks with you in some regard or another so these aren't necessarily i was looking at this person i think definitely inspired by various things that have punctuated this long 11-year war now more recently the corona virus the pandemic Idlib, the continued fighting and um, displacement of people there so the drought when things were happening i try to visualize them and think about how I could tell the timeline of this. So if someone is looking at this series 40, 50 years from now, they can look at it and say, okay, this is what happened in the beginning of the revolution. And then here we are at, at the end of 2022 or however long I'm going to do this series. You know, I'll do it as long as I need to. It's ongoing.
0: Uh, you beat me to that question because okay, I was going to ask good. if this was ongoing. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is ongoing. And it's grown initially for the first showing. I had 25. I'm. Um, Several years ago, and now we have 43. Yeah,
0: I was going to say this is quite more than 25.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, we have 43. And so this is the first time that it's been exhibited all at one time. I don't know how, again, but because some of the paintings are going to go away from me, but yeah, so it's it's very interesting to see it all, and it's it's a bit haunting for me too. So
0: you kind of answered this question already, so I'll ask it real quick. Because you
1: talk so much.
0: No. <laughs> No, you're just a really good person to interview. <laughs>
1: okay, good. Uh,
0: the original question was, is the exhibit telling your story or someone else's? And you pretty much answered it. It's partly you partly others.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel a very strong empathy. And I know how it feels to be hiding from bombs and bullets and not going out and having curfews and so on and so forth. I do know about that. I know about being forced to leave home in a very quickly moment. So I do definitely know and I empathize and I want to speak for them. It's very important to me to do that. It's a bit of a burden, but yes, it's very, very personal because I don't think you would feel my emotion in here.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's like you said, if someone needs to tell the story,
1: somebody needs to tell the story for sure. Right. Because we forget.
0: Oh, easily. Easily. Easily Right.
1: The picture of the little boy the painting of the little boy Mm -hmm. it was it was shown in another gallery right before the pandemic and a a german curator had come to meet me and meet my work and i took him there and he turned around after looking at that and i see that he's a little bit crying Hmm. like oh i was like what happened what what's wrong sebastian and he said i forgot about that he said i'm glad you painted it and I was like, okay, this is very interesting. Yeah. Because people forget. It's moves so fast, this world, you know? And I think that's an artist's responsibility to make us not forget so that we try and learn.
0: I concur. Yeah, it's like sometimes you hold up a mirror to what's going on.
1: Correct.
0: And other times you may also want to introduce new concepts. Exactly. We could talk about art history forever, right? Oh, I know.
1: I know. (laughs) I know. Exactly. I mean, even Jacob Lawrence, his 60th panel and the migrants kept coming here. I don't know what 60 plus 22 is 80 years. And we're hearing the same thing all over again.
0: All over again. All over again. Yeah. Yeah. How much does the role of color and visual texture, Mm -hmm. uh, play in your work.
1: Mm -hmm. It's crucial. I really, I love color. I love pattern. I grew up with that in where I grew up. And also, I also studied pattern design at university as it turns out amongst other things, but it came very naturally. And a big sort of agenda, if you want to use that word is for me to make something beautiful or at least attractive or visually compelling that I bring you to see my painting because only once you're seeing it can you try and listen to what my message is you know I don't want to preach and I'm not trying to do that I'm trying to tell the story like you wonderfully said it's a story that I'm telling and so I think it's important to at least lure the viewer in it's a bit subversive but it seems to work from what I can see and it's my style.
0: Well, I was going to say, at the end of the day, it's your style. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, an, another kind of throwing out there, a visual term would be a, a visual arrow. So in some respects... A visual arrow. Oh, so, I like that. Because you basically have, uh, well, we'll take for an example, this painting here where you have the uh, the sun rays. or mm-hmm kind of create visual arrow to the sun mm-hmm. back to the as It helps and mm-hmm. reinforce the, mm-hmm. uh, it's really hot out there and it's trying to grow something in yeah. the desert kind of thing. Yeah, It kind of, conceptually, what I mean by visual arrow is that your paintings yes. are very colorful and it does draw a viewer in because the first time I saw it, yeah. I, I couldn't help but know which one to start looking at Yeah, because cool. everything is, is so bright and beautiful. And it's the use of color is, is also another important visual aspect
1: absolutely yeah
0: I I just couldn't help but really notice like you said earlier the patterns oof
1: yeah
0: yeah very beautiful and intricate patterns too yeah. And at first I thought these were collages. No. no I know.
1: <laughs> no, I'm stamping my foot. People, if you can't hear me now, I'm stamping and getting mad at him, this nice interviewer.
0: <laughs> um, but that's the thing. A closer inspection, they are not. They're those. not. This is, is, is gouache, right? It's gouache. It's all gouache.
1: Yeah, it's gouache. I first use a bit of pencil to do the composition because that's pretty critical. And then architecture pen and then erase everything and then just go to it with the paint and a very small brush
0: geez yeah that, like a number two
1: like a number one and sometimes zero
0: good gravy yeah and lady. you're an
1: artist you know what that is oh it's yeah like have 10 hairs on it too yeah and Pointed. the point needs to be there and yeah. so yeah and it's a water-based watercolor for people who don't know and I use it very opaquely it can be used transparently but I like this strong rich color I mix my own colors I like the control I get with it and a lot of artists don't
0: no some people do have a issue with that yeah big issue yeah yeah,
1: yeah. But it is very precise and controlled. But, yeah, that's my obsessive compulsiveness. Too. <laughs> so too. I
0: think in order to be an artist, you kind of have to have a little bit of that compulsiveness. I think
1: you do. Yeah. I do. It's not just me.
0: No, it's not just you. Okay, I've met you many people who are like that. Good,
1: good. <laughs> yeah, good.
0: So when you're creating your work, yeah, uh, how do you feel about it? What kind of things go through your mind when you're creating one of your pieces?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that when I finally went back to the Arab world in 2010, just before the revolutions began, just before what they call the Arab Spring, which I continue to use as a sort of a consistency with my work. So I call that this larger body, which the Syrian migration is part of that. Mm-hmm. But over the past decade now, which seems so long. Uh, And I went to Lebanon and Syria and Jordan where I visited family and where my father was born in in the old city in Damascus. And when I came back, the Arab Spring began and the protests began and initial optimism and so on, which devolved.
0: Right. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so for me, I didn't know that I was going to be on this journey 10, 11 years ago. I felt like, okay, I'll finish saying something. And if I'm done, I'm done. And But as things went on, they turned into installations, other ways of trying to get what I wanted to get. And sometimes the 2D thing wasn't enough for me whether or not I was successful in those installations is up to the viewer or the critic to decide. Right. But if it felt too big, like issues were too big, I felt like sometimes it had to move off the board. Not canvas. It's not canvas. It's illustration board. Yes. Paper. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, we should
0: point that out. It is on all, all illustration board.
1: Yeah, it's board. It yeah. won't roll or anything like It won't like roll, that. That. no. Well,
0: you'll have to physically roll it, but you'll damage the whole thing.
1: Yeah, you wreck it up. You'll wreck it up, yeah. And if someone did that, hmm, head's <laughs> going to roll. You'll find them and get them. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So regarding feeling, this is pretty intense for me. Yeah. And, you know, some some people have said, you know, why don't you move on? Why don't you do this? Why don't you? This is so burdensome. And I get it. But I also feel like I said earlier, I'm compelled and I feel really strongly that i am speaking for people who who do not at this time have the ability to speak for themselves specifically women and children yes you know who bear the brunt
0: oh yeah right because
1: you naughty men do it the damage and then who picks up the pieces you know
0: basically moms do
1: basically the moms do look at ukraine their men are fighting or dead or gone or in prison but who's left Are primarily the the women and the children. And then she's got to take a role that maybe she hasn't done in the past, working outside the home, et cetera, et cetera. And in some of these paintings, some of this work, I actually talk to them, like, say that little boy again. I was crying when I did that painting. I called him Habibi which means my love in Arabic, if you're speaking to a male. And so I would come into my studio, and he would be there, and I would say, Habibi, and I would say, I'm not going to forget you. I'm painting you so we don't forget you. You, Hmm. Like, you did not die in vain, this three-year-old little baby with his shoes on.
0: Yeah.
1: And he represents hundreds and thousands of little babies who don't deserve to die or be forgotten.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm just touching on it with one tiny little boy who's you know in my painting two inches long yeah you know so it's emotional I I don't mind it it's
0: part of the process it's
1: part of the process and I feel I feel my emotion is in there even underlying the rich color and the patterning and so on so forth and the sort of beauty that you're seeing in there the message is is strong
0: yeah, there's, speaking of the, the color and the beauty, it is also another kind of uh, duality going on there.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's, you know, these aren't necessarily, you know, images of people riding on carousels or in other environments like that.
1: Exactly.
0: This trial and tribulation, like the uh, the smugglers.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? In the newspaper yesterday, you know, 35 migrants died near Puerto Rico. I mean, it happens every day. So... This was an earlier piece after an exceptionally horrible one crossing the Mediterranean. And that one is a more later one, even more people we're talking about yeah. Haiti. We're talking about our own borders. So this this series has grown to talk about, you know, migration and conditions that people are forced to leave. You know, I can say for sure, nobody wants to do it by themselves. No one wants to voluntarily go anywhere. They don't want to leave their home. No. I didn't.
0: Well, yeah. And, and a part of our American culture is just a lot of people don't understand that concept. Yeah. It's like you didn't want to wake up and say, you know what? I'm just going to migrate here. No. People do it for a reason, for motivation, for... A, to survival in yeah, some cases and I,
1: I was lucky because of my father's position and we were one of the last planes out of beirut um, in the civil war there before the airport closed yeah and i remember like yesterday going down what they call the airport road and we were in a car we had a car on both sides of us anyone who had a car is going there and on both sides of us are those horrible images about people struggling and trying to move and go like, in like Oof. more recently in Afghanistan yeah. and you feel, even I, I was 16, but you feel so like it's so unfair, you know, and, a little helplessness. I, and you feel helplessness. Yeah. We had to leave my father. That was a torture. Ooh. And so, yeah, he, he said, we, going for one week um, to Greece, and we would be back to Lebanon in one week. And
0: but here we 35, are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't go back for 35 years.
0: So uh, we talked about using gouache. so Sorry yeah. to switch gears on. No, 19,
1: no, it's good.
0: Now, there is a couple of pieces that you have some collage work. Correct. What was the motivation by using the collage that you did do?
1: Yeah. So at the beginning of the Arab Spring... I began, since I'm in Washington, D.C., I began collecting the Washington Post. Anything that had anything to do with that topic, I ripped out and kept. And as I was working on this series, for instance, that one back there with a little boy running and a hole, which also, you know, photographs can do more than I can do in my paintwork. So here, this doesn't hearken back to Jacob Lawrence except for the size, 12 by 18 inches. And that's, of course, gouache up there. Picks up his jacket here on he. But, I mean, if you didn't know what I'm talking about, this could mean now Ukraine. This could be anywhere, as we talked earlier.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so I've used a little bit of the, in this case, the Washington Post and collage to almost bolster my own painting because I feel... I couldn't paint something as powerful as that, necessarily.
0: Oh, I understand, yeah. Sometimes, like you said, the picture picture can tell just as much or more.
1: Exactly. In Jacob Lawrence's piece, that one that you're referring to with railroad, here, in Jacob Lawrence's piece, he has the people on a train, and they are the scene outside the window was like Pittsburgh or, you know, an industrial city that they've yeah. been leaving for yeah. the, from the rural side. I know the one you're talking about, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you could see my inspiration here in the card. And then, for me, I just flipped it, and this happens to be the soldiers that they're fleeing in Syria, and they're getting away from that. And so that's why I use that collage. And, and again, the little bits and pieces, say for this one, too, if it works, I'm going to use it. So there again, I'm thinking about aesthetics, and also. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of cohesiveness w- instead of just one and sticking out. So I've used headlines until now. I'm, I'm still collecting work on that. Papers. Right, over. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's like a, your research pile or... It is
1: a research pile. Big.
0: Yeah, I don't want to use the word pile. Maybe a file.
1: A big file. Yeah, big file. a big file pile. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, and this is coming from reading some of your bio. Okay. How would you like others to respond to your work?
1: Hmm. So I think we may have touched on it in the beginning, but what I really, really hope for is to create that empathy, even if it's not masses of people, just a little bit, and even if it's for a short while. And I've noticed that when I talk or show my work, I get that satisfaction from people people that come and say that they didn't know about this or Mm. they changed their method of study or they're now focusing on this situation. And I'm not making that up. It's really happened. It's very vindicating, you know, it's like, wow, that is really cool.
0: That is really cool.
1: Yeah. What I said had an impact. I mean, I spoke at a university before the pandemic too. No one had even heard of the Arab Spring there or the the group that was in the gallery. I was a bit shocked. Uh,
0: I'm I'm not you can naming Yeah, I'm not naming
1: the university. I'm it's to have nothing to do with that. But no. you know, they were certainly bright, but then she decided to refocus her whole thesis and her presentation as a senior well, it was very inspiring that you change somebody and open their eyes. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And the relatability, the problem is so massive.
0: Yes, it is. It
1: is, right? But if, say, take this one under the trees, under the olive trees, which is so ironic, they are fleeing to Idlib, which is on the northern province, and the olives, a symbol of peace and yet they're trying to seek shelter there. And the detail, what I do also too, is make you go in there with the tiny little shoes or a tiny little tear or a little ribbon in her hair, or as you said, these small little patterns to make it feel more like you can identify with it. Because the problem is so huge that, what's mean 13 million people? I can't even absorb that. I can't even absorb 1,000 people what it means.
0: Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. it s- is hard to sometimes conceptualize it.
1: It is, it yeah, is. that's a much better way to say it. And so with my work, um, you know, I mean, I think I, I focus on these small details so I can bring that viewer in to actually feel that they can identify. And then after that, I'm not saying go out and make a huge donation. You can if you have it to the United <coughs> Nation, a, a right. UNHCR, but sure, that'd be great. But at least be aware, at least think, at least then don't take your own surroundings for granted, too. Wow. You know, it's luck. The difference between us and them. Right. 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 I mean, kids are being born now in these refugee camps. They have never been to Syria. That's all they know.
0: Speaking of concept, it's just an idea to them because they don't know because they have been know. in these camps.
1: They don't know. Yeah. And they probably can't go back anytime soon.
0: Yeah, unfortunately.
1: That is really horrific. Yeah. And what's the difference of a kid being born in a refugee camp in Idlib than being born here at Sibley Hospital? It's luck. It's luck. It's luck. That's the difference between that child and whoever has a child in Sibley today. Good luck to them, but that's the same thing. You know, it is one flip of the dice.
0: Yeah, it is. You it's know, chance, random chance. It's
1: a very random chance. Yeah. I also like to have people have that appreciation for their own circumstances. Yeah. Um, and the more you listen to people, the more they can tell you their own trials and tribulations that they have as well. So that empathy, that identity is something that I do cultivate. Yeah. I hope to cultivate.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're doing it. Thank you. Is there something about your work that people may get confused about?
1: Yes, I th- I think so. I've had people, not, uh, yes, make a little bit of judgments and not be interested in. Um, I've also had people interestingly say, "What are you saying? Your problem is bigger than our problem," which has oh. happened, which, Oof. which was a shock to me. Yeah, I was invited to speak at the end of a theater production. Uh, you know, with this migration series that we're talking about, and I didn't have the opportunity to, I didn't have the microphone wasn't with me. It was with the, my moderator, and um, no listening, just walk out of the theater and just sort of zoom me with that question. And to the contrary, I bring this up in light of that to say I'm in solidarity with you. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm in solidarity. I'm not saying, uh, we have more debt or we have more here. You know, what's interesting about the question now, and then you can just go like that, but <laughs> with the Ukraine, which from the beginning, and, you know, my sympathies, of course, like the world, like everybody is is completely, you know, of course, the hideousness of the senseless and etc. of that and the suffering so unnecessary. And, but, you know, I did notice in terms of coverage, in terms of the population of who that was happening to, the the massive difference between the coverage of uh, the Syrian crisis and the Syrian war, which is ongoing.
0: Is ongoing still. Admi- yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And the admission within two weeks of that, the Ukraine war, the mm-hmm. invasion, uh, this country allowed 100,000 uh, Ukrainian refugees into this country, whereas now it's in over 10 years only... And um, 30,000, less than 30,000 Syrians, uh, Syrians admitted here. Yep. Why is that? I don't know. What's more, what's less? I, I, I just point. Well, I have
0: my opinions. Okay. You know? Yeah. I think it's because skin tone. They're white. Yeah. I mean, I I will say it. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. for a lot of people, it's... And it's, you're white. And I'm white. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's... And Christian. Yeah. So that's the other issue is just that uh, they can't relate because Mm -hmm. they're not the same skin tone or worship God in the same way. But that's yeah. the thing is that the everyone has empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's what my opinion on is like. How can you not have the empathy for everyone?
1: Exactly. You know, exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. And this is not the correct analogy saying to silver lining. Right. But I noticed that one little silver lining is this exact thing has been pointed out when it started going. Not just me, leaders and people, Arab world and journalists sort of say, wait a minute wow, this is such intense coverage over this, and deservedly so. Right. But what happened to this, which is ongoing, the one little flip is that, for instance, the comparison, I also try not to be political, contrary <laughs> to what anyone thinks. I'm not. You know, the general that was put in charge of the current campaigns in Ukraine, mm-hmm. his nickname is called the Butcher of Syria
0: that's right that's right right yeah he was there doing some quote-unquote damage
1: correct and also that one painting that i have about aleppo or halab in arabic Mm -hmm. they call Mariupol, which is every day in the news they call that second aleppo Hmm. to make it draw a little bit more attention to what is happening in Syria. I think that is the only little, tiny, little... The good is not the right word, or a silver line, but revealing.
0: Revealing is actually probably the right way to say it. it Revealing. So this is kind of the, the last question of the interview. Okay. What advice would you give to your past self and to other artists?
1: Wow. For future artists, people that are interested in pursuing whether it's music, art, or dance. I mean, I'm a visual artist, but it's all the same. Any arts. Any arts, right? I, I think that if you have truly the passion, I say, go for it. It'll make you happy. I don't think it's necessarily easy, but yet there is the, you're authentic. And what I also say to them, and follow that passion and go for it. Because the other thing is, is that, I don't care where you're from. You have some story to tell me that is not my story. And if you tell it well enough, go be a master of your craft. I'm not saying do bad work. You go study and do it and you get good at it. Do the work. And we'll hear your story because mm-hmm. it's important because, you know, you're not the only one with people can relate to that. So
0: I concur. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. And so I say go for it and do your best and pursue it as much as you can and um, study and learn. And if you have that passion, you will not be disappointed. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bed of roses, but <laughs> right,
0: it does have its good up and days downs. And bads. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. As artists, we know that. Oh, you know, yeah. You get stuff rejections you get acceptances it is a roller coaster it is but then you have victories like this moment and being interviewed by you oh stop (laughs) yeah my old self wow i would say
0: yeah, Don't be to so art.
1: insecure yeah. about what you want to do. I would say believe in yourself a little more. You know, I wish that I could go back and have a little bit. But something must have been there because I pursued this for a long time. And so I had to declare my major. I had to get accepted into art school, mm-hmm, right, like mm-hmm, you. And yeah. I couldn't just decide when I was a junior that I wanted to do. So there, there was my years of study. I wanted to go to my painting. I didn't want to go to graduate school. I didn't want to teach so i would say be fearless even though it's sometimes very scary but go be fearless and be the best at what you decide to do go be the best you know push it and and go and keep at it i look at how I used gouache way back when I learned to use it in, at university. I mean, I would be like, I, it's hidden in the closet. <laughs> it's not on the walls at the Kennedy Center, I assure you of that. But, you know, that's years and years of doing it.
0: Exactly, putting the work in.
1: Yeah. Playing yeah.
0: with it, experimenting exactly. with it, making mistakes, making, making happy mistakes. Yeah. We're yes, running from that. Yes, making
1: happy mistakes yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Because
0: you got to experiment. That's one of the joys I have with painting. Yeah. Yeah, is that uh, sometimes you get to play mad scientist? So. I know,
1: I know, and no one has control of you. You don't have a boss. Nope. I know. That's another cool thing. You guys out there who's going want to be artists, you don't have anyone telling you what to do.
0: Yeah, you could be your own boss. You can be your own boss, but that's discipline and work comes in. Hundred
1: percent, hundred percent. One thing I would also like to add is that this exhibition here in the Hall of Nations, part of it will also be on display at the Reach. Um, at the, here at the Kennedy Center coinciding with World Refugee Day which is June 25th and I will have other work installations as well as part of my migration series there and solidarity with refugees all over the world which is a big part of what I'm doing here as a social impact resident at the Kennedy Center right. me too but well, thank, thank you. you No, thank, thank you, you.
0: want to thank Helen for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to learn more about Helen and her work, go to her website at www.hzughaib.com. That's www.hzughaib.com. And her Instagram page is h-z-u-g-h-a-i-b. That's h-z-u-g-h-a-i-b. Visit the Kennedy Center's website for more information and the latest at www.kennedy-center.org. Visit ArtboxDNV's website to hear this episode and past episodes at artboxdnv.com. And don't forget, Artbox is also on Instagram at artboxdnv. Until next time, thank you for listening.